skirts and a long scripture, where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi friends, welcome back to our podcast, uh, Short Skirts, Long Scripture. I'm Cass. I'm Hannah, and today we have some guests with us. Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Hannah. I'm really happy for you guys to share your story with us today. This is going to be a good conversation. Super excited We're for this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be good. Okay, let's jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with Christianity and with the church in general? Yeah, so I grew up in a non-religious home until I was about like six or seven. And then my parents became Christians, but they still didn't ever really attend church. So I didn't really start going to church until I was a little bit older. And I ended up just going with a friend across the street. That was like the only way we could hang out was if I went to church with her. So that's what we did. And I ended up liking it, but I was mostly just there to like hang out with my friend. And so I did that for a few years and then I stopped going. And so when I started attending this group, I was about 13 years old. And so that's kind of when I restarted going to anything like church or youth group. So yeah, then I guess for me, um, I grew up in a very, very religious home. Um, my whole family was, was involved in church. Um, all my older siblings were involved in different activities within the church. And uh, so growing up, going every Sunday, and then uh, my family got involved um, with this group. Um, my older brothers, um, they went uh, for several years. I was still too young. And I started at the at 12 years old going to this group, which is the minimum age that you can be to start going. And I was uh, heavily involved uh, throughout my entire time there. Um not just doing stuff within the group itself, but a lot of the, you could say extracurricular stuff as well, um, yeah. being heavily involved. And then my parents as well were involved in leadership of the group for at least a couple of years. I actually remember Trevor's family being there, but I do remember you guys like being a presence in the group for a while. We're going to talk about some hierarchy stuff later <laughs> because I remember that being a factor. <laughs> Cassie, you want to field this question? I'm sorry, not field. You want to take this question. Unless you guys want to go into that further, because you guys kind of already um, touched on that. So do you want to go into it a little bit deeper? Well, my parents never ended up going. So I actually um, got invited by a friend who I'm still super close with. And she introduced me to the group. And that's kind of how I started going. And she was well known. And so mm -hmm. I became friends with a lot of people quickly, like through her. Yeah, but that's how I ended up actually getting involved in the group. Okay. Trevor, do you remember specifically how your family, I know with your older siblings, got in touch with this community? Um, yeah, so we went to um, we went to a church, a community church, and um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to a church uh, that was kind of local. <laughs> there were several people within that church that were connected to like the earlier stages of how this group um, had formed um, mm -hmm. several families that were involved in uh, kind of the formation of this uh, youth program and so it had moved around several times and then I was still um, still too young at this point but my older brothers uh, started going because um, some of their friends were friends of the families that were 
more some of the early starters of this group. Right. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hannah or Trevor, you probably know the answer to this. This group kind of formed from that church that you had gone to as a young child. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Originally it is formed um, out of that church. Um, There was a, shortly after that, the church ended up splitting. There was a church split. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, my family uh, went one direction with um, the people that had formed this group. Right. My family went and then Mm -hmm. everyone else kind of stayed at this church. And those people didn't actually take part in this group for at least several years, many of them. Right. Okay. Okay. So you guys were part of this group for a number of years. Do you want to kind of talk about when and why you left the group? Yeah. So I, uh, like I said, I started when I go in when I was, when I was 12. Um, and I ended up leaving, um, after about seven ish years, I was six full years. And then in my seventh year, um, I left partway through the year. Wow. That's a really long time. To be um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I started, started <laughs> at 12, ended up leaving at 18. Um, a lot of the, the reasons being is, you know, the early years, um, I kind of took everything in, believed mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. hundred percent sure. of like that, that follower type. Um, really excited about all my friends were there. Um, you know, I could be a leader here. I could learn so much. Um, and then later on when I did it, end up starting to become a leader, um, you know, I was in high school, uh, and then kind of towards starting college and, uh, there's just some things that started to happen that started to sour, sour my opinion of the group. Um, like Hannah and I started dating, uh, when uh, I was almost 17 and she was 16. Um, and that didn't go over well with the group. I'm sure we'll get in more into that in a bit. Um, and then my everyone who I was friends with at the time um all of my friend group wasn't well looked at um within the group and so it started to change everyone's opinion of me um and I think the final straw um final big thing at least was that I started questioning some of the teaching and as a Mm. as like a small group leader Mm -hmm. um there was some some teachings that didn't sit well with me and so I remember taking them back um, to my small group and not necessarily just refuting what was said, but trying to offer a different perspective. Yeah, which and is a healthy say, hey, thing like, to this do. Is, yeah. This is what was said, but I feel like there might be a different way of looking at this, or this is why I feel like this might not necessarily be true. Let's have a discussion mm-hmm. about it. Um, mm-hmm. And every time I would do that, the next week I would come into um, getting pulled aside by the leadership and being questioned on why I had questioned them, even though they had specifically said in many of their uh, messages, if this doesn't sit well with you, if you feel like something isn't biblically based, you know, go back to the word, um, bring these things up. Um, but it felt like when I did that, when I would go back to the word, when I would, you know, pray about these things and, and seek the truth on my own, um, that almost wasn't allowed. And as it's about how much I was told was that, I shouldn't be, as a leader within this group, I shouldn't be disagreeing with the leadership. Mm -hmm. That is super interesting and weird to me, is the fact that I remember them telling us, like, yeah, make sure you check whatever, the scripture. And like you said, if something doesn't sit well with you. And then if we actually did do that, though, then, then the leadership would be like, uh, no, we told you what it says. You don't need to know for yourself. 
Yeah. Like it was this mm-hmm. weird. I think it gives. Yeah, like gives everyone listening a false sense of like faith in that person. Because yeah. They're like, well, why would they tell me to do that yeah. if they weren't? telling me the truth or Mm -hmm. preaching what is true to God's word. And so you kind of just blindly start to follow Mm -hmm. it because you're like, they're telling me to go look into it. So if I, you know, if I do, I'm most likely going to find like the same thing. And it wasn't always Mm -hmm. like a conscience thought that went through my head, but like looking back, I feel like it helps you follow more blindly if they present you with the option. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the way that they are presenting those things 100% caused a lot of kids our age um, who were, you know, trying to figure out and think for ourselves to have yeah. blind faith. And that didn't always work out real great in the end either because that yeah. made us not question anything, which is not safe. <laughs> I remember when I would bring up like different viewpoints on certain messages, even within my own small group. Um it would be met with a lot of um, surprise by the people within the group, including my co-leaders, mm-hmm. um, because they were they were shocked that I would even, you know, I didn't even venture to question something. How like, you know, these are the this is the leadership telling us this. Like, how could you even think that they were wrong? It was yeah. that, like that's when I really started to see like there is just so much blind faith and blind acceptance, and whatever is said is a hundred percent true. And even if there weren't like as many messed up teachings that came out of this, we're all still human and we all still make mistakes. So even if it was, yeah. if even teaching was perfect 99% of the time, there's still the chance that like we're human and we say something wrong and it should be questioned in those moments. Yeah. They were really making it so that they didn't have to be accountable to anybody for what they were saying, which was the complete opposite of what they were telling us all the time. Of You need to, you know, hold yourself accountable for everything that didn't ring true for them I guess but this is also really interesting to me because I remember hearing teachings on what it means to trust God and not have to question God constantly as like a positive teaching it was presented to us like we should trust God God is trustworthy we should have blind faith towards God but then like using that teaching to kind of twist it into the leadership being we are god for you guys so you should also trust us Mm -hmm. finally that's where i feel like it becomes a problem like this is the this is the whole thing of why we might refer to this group as a cult or like a christian fundamentalist group is because they would take something good from scripture should we have faith in god absolutely do we need all the answers for god no we don't but like then they would twisted in some odd way and like the I don't even know how to explain this just (laughs) they would twist it in a way that fit their lifestyle yeah what they were doing and living out was what God wants you to do and live out because that's how they do it and so they would twist things in the bible and they would take verses out of context and be like well this is why we live this way so this is why you should live this way because we are holier for living Mm -hmm. like this and anyone who doesn't follow this is essentially not good enough i remember those goals being super unattainable looking though when i was that age because they were pointing at themselves and their perfect families going you should be more like us this is what a godly structured family looks like and i was looking at that and looking at their kids going there ain't no way (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't be like that, nor do I want to be like that. But that's what they were telling you essentially that you needed to be like, or else you were not going to be as high on the totem pole as they were. Yeah. And that was such a big unspoken thing that I feel like everyone knew was going on. But it was like, you just were where you were. Like, you really had no say in the levels of people. Like, I was always at the bottom of the totem pole, I felt like, because I was so different and I didn't attend church on Sundays. They didn't attend the group. And so it made things just a lot more complicated for me, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of bounced it back to uh, Cassie, your point about, like, as it fits like your lifestyle and we're going to teach that and you have to be able to attain this. I remember there was this um, point that was brought up in many teachings about marriage by one of the leaders specifically, and they would hold their hand up and be like, you know, my, my spouse and I, we've fought less than I can even count on one hand. And that's what you need to be able to attain because there's so much grace there. And I fully embrace the biblical roles of marriage. And so we just never fight. And that's where our marriage is so healthy because there is in our 30 year marriage, we've never had more than, you know, five fights. And that was repeatedly mentioned in many teachings and specifically ones revolving around marriage. And what it ended up boiling down to uh, was, you know, the wife essentially having so much grace to never complain or never have any issues with any shortcomings or frustrations that they had with her husband. Imagine being an adult that has to regulate for your spouse. <sighs> okay. Are right. we sure this was, you know, the perfect marriage or was this like the female suppression? I don't know because right, there right. ain't no way I could do that. I would be the most sinful wife known to man. Cause I will pick a fight just to figure out what the hell is working. Like <laughs> what's going wrong. I'm like, why are you acting like this? I'll pick a fight for this. So not me. <laughs> Yeah, no, not me either. <clears throat> that caught that ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, just me being very outspoken and dominant, <laughs> and just knowing who I am and what I want to say. Yeah, that was not okay I, in this group whatsoever. <laughs> no, women were expected to be meek and mild and always obey their fathers because girls who obeyed their fathers were going to make great wives. Yep. I feel like this discounts so many of the powerful women in scripture like the Bible, where we were getting our teachings from. Um, so many female biblical characters, they weren't like out there picking fights, but they were standing up for themselves and getting what they needed. Like JL, the story of JL, mm -hmm. she just straight up killed a dude because <laughs> he was a bad guy. <laughs> Esther yeah. completely disregarded the authority of the men in her life when they were like, the king doesn't like it when you break the rules and she's just i'm gonna break <laughs> oh, well. the rules god is bigger than the king <laughs> like yeah like you should respect your husband but that does not of mean worse that like everything yeah. he says is directly from god yeah. and exactly how you need to be and i just feel like marriage is more of a partnership and 50 50 and you both have yeah. important and valid ideas and ways to do things and it should be more of a discussion than well my husband said this and this is the only way and I can't put my two cents in at all I could never mm -hmm. live like that I would have I would be so unhappy no. in my life yeah it goes right back to the you know 
biblical hierarchy of whatever they were, you know, believing or being taught in those marriages, I'm sure, of the man is, you know, closer to God than the woman or something. I don't know what they were taught. I'm sure there was a lot of different things, but. The, uh, the umbrella diagram. For yeah. more information on the umbrella diagram, yes. listeners, check out our uh, Christian and Fundamentalist episode. <laughs> Why were we all force-fed that diagram, though? Bill <laughs> like, Gothard was uh, a fad, man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that is a Bill Gothard teaching. <laughs> Bill Gothard was yeah. a fad with one family, one family, yes. who mm-hmm. liked mm-hmm. to teach it as law mm-hmm. to everyone else in the group. Whether mm-hmm. And that's the funny thing, I think. I was thinking about this earlier today and yesterday when I was talking to somebody else. Um, they didn't teach it as Bill Gothard, so they just kind of snuck it in with every single teaching that he would do without like blatantly saying, like, this is where this is from and this is why we're teaching this. Just have some Bill Gothard on a plate. No thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even realize that until very recently. Same. When I, you know, I learn more about Bill Gothard. I mean, I think I'd heard the name in the past, mm-hmm. um, but I learned more about Bill Gothard and, um, you know, IBLP and all those different groups that were very heavily um, involved in Christian fundamentalism. Yeah. And then as I'm learning about this, all these things are going off in my head and going, wait, this group I was a part of is just a mini version oh, of gosh. this. <laughs> And I don't know if all the families were kind of into that doing it in cahoots with it necessarily, but right, I don't know. (laughs) The leadership was really good at pushing certain principles and ideas Mm -hmm. and teachings. And we were kids. We were blindly following whatever they fed us because they were the godly leadership model that we had in our lives. And for me, that was all I had. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. At first, I was... I was totally in on it. I was like, this is great. I've never gotten this before. And it's like what I was longing for. I feel like I belong and like, it makes Mm -hmm. sense. And then I just ended up feeling as like the years went on, I just was feeling so guilty. And I'm like, that's so interesting because what my parents tell me and what Mm -hmm. they're telling me aren't lining up and they tell me to respect my parents and also to live out a life as they do. I'm like, mm-hmm. these things are colliding. And I just ended up mm-hmm. with like so much shame and guilt for just not knowing what I was really supposed to be doing because they were so one way. And that mm-hmm. was like the only way. And that's not how I was. So it really created a lot of confusion for me. Is that one of the reasons why you left the group? Do you want to talk about when, why you left? Yeah, that is when I started going for about five years, and I pretty much towards the last few years really started to open my eyes when, kind of like Trevor, I started doing some digging and really having like these conversations with my parents and just like turning to God and what felt right for me. And I was like, there is so much hypocrisy and just lies being told with how they're telling me I have to live my life. I mean, I was always pulled aside for what I was wearing. And I was always just told, you know, the way I live just wasn't good enough for them or this group. And that's just, they would always try to pull me aside and tell me how to do things. And then when I started dating Trevor, that was a big no-no because I pursued him. So 
that was a red flag right off the bat. Already a problem right there. How yeah. dare you? And then we were too young, which was crazy because they wanted to make sure that we weren't dating until you know we were ready to get married in a few months because that's kind of how they do I mean, it most of the that's time that's the model for the group yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i'm like well i'm not looking to get married right now and i'm 12 i was 16 oh yeah i was 16 and i was like well, i'm not ready to get married and that was like a big like what what do you mean you're not ready to get married so like, crazy for their model <laughs> right and so that, I was like well I want to take my time and like see what's out there and so that was mm-hmm. when they just started getting really involved in our relationship and our personal lives I was like this is really none of your guys's business and it just created a lot of issues and I was like I think it's time for me to move on and live my life how I feel like God is telling me to live it mm-hmm. and so that's really when I started to step out Okay, so you mean to tell me that the quote-unquote Christian youth group that you were a part of was involved in your personal dating life outside of the Christian youth group that you were a part of? Oh, very much so. I mean, even like, <laughs> we had to be so careful out in public because if people saw us like holding hands, it would get right back to the leaders of this group. And it was like, I don't know. I felt like <laughs> we were always being followed and watched. And it was just so uncomfortable to be out in public together because they didn't approve oh, of our relationship. And so it was always just thrown back at us. It's. I love that they thought that they had to approve of your relationship for this. Yeah. Work. I love that. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was necessary. Well, they're all knowing, you know, they oh, know yeah. what's best for us. Uh-huh. And yeah. like the scrutiny and everything. And the questions literally started a day after we started dating. How because did they know? We, so we were all on <laughs> a big trip that this group would take every year. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's where Hannah and I kind of figured out that we were interested in each other. And so that's the last day of the trip. The next day is the travel day where we all, you know, go home. Right. So we kind of figure this out. We talk a little bit that first night, kind of like, oh, like, where do we go from here? Let's just kind of keep getting to know each other. It will like to keep getting to know each other. Like you talk to each other. That's just like what you do. Yeah. So how else are you supposed to do it? Home, we sat next to each other and just talked and just hung mm-hmm. out. Just try to get to know each other. It was a two day bus ride. Like, right. What is there to do anyway? <laughs> so we went up there. And on the bus, I got pulled aside uh, at one point, and the question was, "Are you gonna, are you gonna be talking to Hannah all day, or are you gonna break your time up? Because it kind of seems like you guys have been sitting together a lot. And this group was so gossipy, and everyone knew everything. So at this point, I may have not told everybody that, hey, like Hannah and I found we were interested in each other." But I told some people, like I told some of my friends that were there, like, hey, this happened. Isn't this cool? Yeah. Well, now everybody knew. And because we're sitting next to each other, everybody knew. So the question is, well, you guys should probably not sit next to each other. So we sat next to each other most of the day. And then we got to our stopping point that night, which was like halfway home. And I got pulled aside again 
at our stopping point. And what I got asked was, I thought you weren't going to spend the whole day with Hannah. And I was like, well, I never said that. And I'm like, well, I just think that tomorrow maybe you should just ride in a different vehicle. Just separate yourself. Oh, my goodness. Uh, because I don't think you should be spending that much time. Um, like, you're going too fast. Like, this is a day in. All you're we've done fast. is. Were you guys making we've out in the back of other. the bus? <laughs> Apparently. Never. But no. Like, that's, that's what they that's thought you were, were doing, obviously. I know. That's what they were treating us like when all we had done were just talking. We were well, just trying to get to know each other. We were sitting yeah. together yeah. on the bus, but we were also right. interacting with the group. That's well, yeah. what I was, like, There's... so confused on. So many people in that bus, yeah. Yeah, just for everyone's information, there was no way you could be alone on these buses. There no. were 50 other kids on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no way. Imagine we playing games with everybody. We were talking to other people. Just the fact that we decided to sit next to each other mm-hmm. and just have some discussions was apparently too much at that point. Well, if you remember, we were like conditioned to be afraid of interacting with the opposite sex yeah. Like, I am mm-hmm. sure that, like, so many of the kids on that bus felt super uncomfortable that a guy and a girl were interacting with each other. And in not a in a normal a, way. Brother in Christ, <laughs> how are you? Kind of way. But, like, a yeah. regular human, I want to get to know this person because I might be interested in them. Mm-hmm. Like, that was not a thing that we did. For context of anyone listening that doesn't know about this group, we've talked about it before. We were conditioned to be afraid to talk to the opposite sex. We were conditioned to believe that, I don't even know, talking leads to hand-holding, which leads to side hugs, which leads to frontal hugs, which leads to making out, which leads to babies before marriage. Like, was this whole weird, slippery None of them knew how babies were made. Are you kidding? It was a magical thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, the thing about how we weren't allowed to... talk to the opposite sex I had to get creative so I Uh actually ended up befriending all of Trevor's friends first so that it wouldn't seem weird that I was talking to Trevor because I knew I had to be sneaky about this because I knew they were going to be all over it Mm -hmm. so I ended up like getting into his circle and then being like oh hey you're here too like let's chat let's just (laughs) all be friends and then he was like okay yeah, like, this is people. weird. I had no idea they were your friends too. <laughs> and uh, so then when we were on this mission trip, I had told some of my girlfriends, I was like, you know what? It's a last day. I think I'm just going to ask him who he likes. And they're like, um, absolutely not. They're like, that's a horrible idea. They're like, cause what if he doesn't, he doesn't like you back? I'm like, well, then I can move on. I'm, I'm like a, right? I'm, on a mission. I'm like, well, then I'll move yeah. on. Like, I'm not like so infatuated i'm obsessed so i'm like i just want to see where this goes and so i decided to play a game of like let's guess who each other likes because that's just what this group that was like the best way i could think to do the it cringe, in this setting. Yes. the cringe yeah, we were 16 okay i did what i had <laughs> to do and so everyone kind of <clears throat> knew that well some of my girlfriends knew when i was going in to mm-hmm. do that so i think that mm-hmm. also did not help the spread of things because i'm like hey right. guess what he likes me too and they're like i can't believe you just did that and i'm like well someone had to start it and like i knew yeah. he was too afraid because like that was also frowned upon because you know we were young and my family wasn't involved in this group so like that wasn't good and 
So yeah, we it started off just kind of crazy and then it never stopped. <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely like plays into like where your standing is within the group. Had I okay. maintained a really like good standing as a, as a small group leader, as a family who was involved in leadership and all these things, I don't think I would have met been met with as much you know as many questions. Um, but because I, had, you know, the people I, my friend group, essentially, um, they were getting questioned on some of their behavior, um, which that behavior being like getting a tattoo of a Bible verse or having long hair. Like, this is the behavior we're talking about. Your body not, is a temple. Rebels. You know, not like actually <laughs> bad behavior It's per- yeah. perceived by this group to be yeah. wrong behavior. And so mm-hmm. they questioned me on that. So my standing was already falling. Mm. And like dating Hannah was apparently the final nail in the coffin. <sighs> oh, can't date people. You're only allowed to court if you're in this group. And courting is a full family event. So all the families involved have to be on board and part of the group. Otherwise, we don't. they don't approve. Yeah, <laughs> Hannah already messed up for a couple months. <laughs> <clears throat> Pursuing Trevor first because we all know that we're not allowed to do that either. <laughs> Yeah, well, they should have known. I came from a different <laughs> background. I'm like, I wasn't raised this way, so scoot over. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good for you, though, that you did come from that different background coming into this yeah. and pushed back in your own way. Because yeah, a lot of us were scared to do that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I don't think we would really be together if, I mean, because he was too scared because of what they taught him and they were giving Mm -hmm. him pushback and telling him how bad of an idea it was. So, like, from his point, I totally get it. I'm like, I would have been scared, but. Yeah, Trevor, we talked about that uh, before. Do you want to talk about the pushback that you got from leadership and kind of some of the things that maybe they told you or your family when you guys were dating? Because that's wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, like I said, Hannah and I started dating on that trip and then kind of went that whole summer without really seeing each other that much we were texting each other and occasionally saw each other but there wasn't a whole lot of like actual contact and then as the the new year this group starts up like essentially runs a school year so as we went back and we started seeing each other more and hanging out more and that was more visible because we're in this group now um i started getting pulled aside um by the leadership i'd show up you know ready ready to go for the week and then Right there, there was a leader waiting for me as I got there, kind of come over and ask to talk to me. And uh, he would, uh, they would ask, you know, hey, you and Hannah are still, you know, interested in each other. Like, that's fine. But like, you really got to think about how it looks because you guys be in a relationship because they'd always try to follow it up with like, we trust you. Obviously, you don't, but we trust you. Right. But, like, mm-hmm. the image is giving to these younger, less trustable people is oh. that you can date early when you are oh. really more of an exception is kind of questionable whether or not you should right now. So just think about that and don't really date right now. You know, maybe, you know, don't really kick it off till you guys are older, more mature, ready, to, ready for marriage. And then I would ask, like, okay, so what am I doing that is setting a bad example? Because what you're telling me right now is that my yeah. actions are setting a bad example for the younger people in this group mm-hmm. or even my peer group. And they could never give me any specifics because we were very respectful when we were there. Yeah. We, weren't, we weren't doing anything. We weren't making out in the pews. We weren't doing anything wrong. 
We were yeah. just hanging out in groups. We weren't even off by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're just hanging out within our own friend group. Yeah, we stay. We talked throughout the night and everything. We were in different small groups. So we were separated there. And so every time I'd be like, okay, so what can you point to that I've actually done wrong here? Yeah. Or that I'm actually creating a bad example from? And they would never have an answer. And then later on, this is, this is where I thought I got really crazy. Because later yeah. on, I found out in talking to my parents that they had the leadership had gone to my parents to my house while I wasn't there to oh. tell my parents that they needed to break us up because it yes. was not good for me to be dating Hannah because they did not like Hannah because of what she wore and who her family was and how uninvolved they were. So they went to my parents behind my back, told them to break <clears throat> us up. And so my, at that point, my relationship with my parents was somewhat strained and, and there were some other restrictions with dating that they had. Um, but I, I do really thank them for not just buying into that and be like, you know what? You guys are right. They they shut that down. They didn't interfere at that point. Um, but yeah, that, I didn't know about that until years later. And my mom actually let me know. Um, just a couple years ago, actually. We've yeah. been together eight years. So I was like, and yeah, that probably put your your parents in a very awkward position. Because yeah. we were yeah. Dating, like they didn't mm-hmm. know me. And so I am so grateful to them that, yeah, they didn't try to stop that because, yeah, as a parent, I'm like, would I have done the same thing or would I have been like, oh, that's really concerning that you're taking time out of your day and your week to drive all the way to my house just to tell me this? I'm like, do these people not have a life? Like, do they no. have nothing better to do than okay, like try hold on. ruin a 16 year old relationship? <laughs> hold on. <laughs> First of all, is this no dating as a teenager, I'll say, a rule that your families had, like individually, your families had this rule of no dating when you're a teenager or no dating until you're 18 or whatever? Mine did. Hannah's did not. No, I I did. My parents told me I could not date till I was 16 and I was 16. So they were totally fine with it. So you're right. My parents were generally more like 18. So I was 17. So, you know. That's Close enough. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're telling me that you were more or less adhering to your family's rules, and for some reason, the leadership of the youth group that you were a part of decided to make it their business to give you rules. Did they tell you, like, yeah. don't come to youth group if you're going to keep dating, or did they just tell you, just stop dating because you're too young because we say so? No, not for me. They didn't say any of that. They basically just kept making it more and more uncomfortable and more and more talks about it. That and is they kind of so just toxic. I think tried to force the issue without actually telling. But they didn't they didn't really pull me aside for that stuff. More Trevor because he was in leadership there and I was never in leadership. Well, you know, so, the men are more important in relationships per this group. So the man is the head of the yeah. household, remember. So if we're gonna stop something from happening or like set guidelines the man is going to be in charge of it the woman just kind of like is supposed to be gracious gracious and agree and like secede her opinion or whatever 1950s housewife right there right exactly and i was not that (laughs) and i was on i i feel bad because i was really on trevor when we were younger i was like why do you care so much about what they think like why are you 
taking like what they're saying over what I'm saying mm. and what I want because like, oh, you're my boyfriend. I want to see you. And they're mm-hmm. like, no. And so he's like, I'm in this weird spot. And I was like, why does it matter what they think? Like, they're not in our relationship. Like, they put themselves there, but they're not actually in it. So I was like, that's super really weird to me that someone other than they your had parents so would think much. They have the credibility to tell you what to do with your dating life. Yeah, that's just weird to me. It's the fact that this group had so much power over us that we sometimes yeah. didn't even think about it. We were just like afraid exactly. to do the wrong things of what. Yeah. we thought would be the wrong things in their eyes that's too much power <laughs> yeah yeah i think i probably would have encountered more like direct like don't come back if you're going to be dating or you're straight up not allowed to date had i not like my parents had left leadership at this point um okay yeah but i was very well connected to all of the families within leadership like i was known throughout the group like i wasn't mm-hmm. just like a C-lister within the group, you could say, like, I was pretty well connected within the group. Yeah, right, right. And so I think because of that, and because I had family members, like my older brother, who were still involved with the group as well, Mm -hmm. um, that it made it difficult for them to to fully shove me out. So they just repeatedly, they'd pull me aside almost weekly, question, hey, like, you know, we thought about what we said with, you know, the example you're setting, and can you guys maybe just not sit together? I was asked not to sit next to her during service. Um, I was asked, you know, not to spend all my time after afterwards, you know, hanging out with her. Um, you know, just for the example I was setting was always the the terminology that was used. You know, as someone in your position, being a small group leader, you know, being a quote unquote well respected member of the group, um, you don't set this example, you know, adhere to every line of what we've, what we've said to you. And then, you know, you'll, you'll see success within the group. It's kind of like the promise that you get. Mm-hmm. Like you'll, yeah. you're a small group leader, but you could go on to more than that. I'm struggling to find something in scripture that would have been their basis for this interference in your personal life. And I don't have any, um, I don't think it was a scripture thing. <laughs> In which case, it, it should not have trauma. been happening from a youth group leadership team. It should not have been happening if it's not coming from scripture. No. Their only job is to be instructing youths in godly things. And if it's not in scripture, this is one of those red flags where I say, this was not a good group to be a part of at the time. <laughs> yeah. And we were like the most g-rated relationship you can right. imagine like right. i don't even know why they even felt the need i mean it was like oh don't look at each other oh can't look at each other it's not right yet because we haven't been allotted that much yeah. time this week mm-hmm. it's just yeah. like absolutely crazy i don't know where they got this idea in their head maybe because they were marriage counselors on the side or because they helped other relationships they think you know succeed and we just didn't fit their box mm-hmm. and that really right. bothered them. Anybody that didn't fit their box bothered them and they got a lot mm-hmm. of interventions and talking to and you could definitely tell a difference between those kids who were not fitting in within their specific parameters and those who were really in high standing with yeah. them because they all got treated very differently. 
yeah, like an example of that exactly is like the long hair that I mentioned about one of my friends. That was an issue, oh, yeah. but there's other men that had long hair, including mm -hmm. the son of one of the main leaders at one point. Yeah. And that was never <laughs> yeah. brought up as an issue because <laughs> of who those people were, but because yeah. my friend who was not seen in very good standing had long mm -hmm. hair. Mm -hmm. he was now seen as a problem because of that and they called him rebellious because of his long hair yeah i don't think they've ever heard the story of samson from the bible obviously but, not yeah. anyway <laughs> <laughs> um so can we talk about some of the ways that hannah specifically you had mentioned a couple different things about the way that you were critiqued for your clothing and your attitude while you were part of the group. Yeah, that one was honestly crazy for me because like I okay. dressed differently at this group than I did in my outside life, you could say. How so? I mean, well, okay, I was a gymnast for eight years, so I was very used to prancing around in a leotard, okay? Like, I was not... Right, right. I did not feel weird about, like, having my skin show. That was you hadn't been okay. shamed for your body, you say? What yeah, is that like? I know. <laughs> and, you know, as a kid, that's not something I ever thought of. Like, I did not yeah. think, ooh, like, boys are going to look at me different. Or, that, mm -hmm. like, I was just living my life, and, you know... I had just started like picking out my own clothes. I felt like, cause I lived my childhood in leotards. I mean, I was at the gym all the time. So for me, I wore, you know, I didn't wear leggings. I wore skinny jeans, but well, the butt pockets were bedazzled. So that was a problem because that is drawing attention to my butt. And right. So Men aren't allowed to know that we have butts. Have this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause they have no idea until I, <laughs> put jewels on it then they're like oh now we know those are there well now it's a problem what sense does <laughs> that make like, <laughs> I, yeah. or it's like you know I had tank tops that were like three fingers in width and not four or like they were a little they weren't like low like they were showing anything but they were just like too much of my collarbone was showing or just the most outrageous stuff I'm like one of the weeks I was so tired of being pulled aside. I was like, I actually had my mom help me find an outfit for tonight. Yeah. I'm so tired. Yeah. Of you telling me my clothes are not good enough. And so I was like, my mm. mom approved this outfit and so did my dad. And I was like, mm -hmm. please just leave me alone. Like I just dress how I want to dress. And I was dressing totally modestly. I mean, mm -hmm. it was it's usually possible. during the winter, most of this group so I mean I had coat on I had like yeah shoot I mean I mean it was like the whole thing but it yeah. was never it was never good enough and I actually had a friend invite me over to her house and she's like let's go on a walk I'm like okay and she used the walk the entire time to tell me that I should maybe look to buy jeans um like that she wore or some of the other yeah. girls in the group and they were just a very loose fitting pair of jeans like yes, a couple standard. sizes too big. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I was like, I love that you are comfortable in those, but that is not something that I feel like I want to wear. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't feel convicted by God in any way, shape or form that what I'm wearing is inappropriate or my clothes would just be tight, like mm -hmm. just form fitting. Cause that's just, you're a gymnast. Like you're used to wearing a leotard. 
<laughs> yeah, it was like that was my like comfort zone. Yeah. Like that's just yeah, those were just my clothes that were in my wardrobe that my mom bought for me, and they were very modest and they were very fine for any type of group. And so I honestly felt really like shameful. And mm-hmm. I started to feel really bad because I'm like, this is so weird. Like my parents are like, you're more mm-hmm. than fine. Then I come here and I'm like embarrassed because mm-hmm. I'm getting pulled aside. So now I'm like embarrassed and I just, I have, I can't do anything about it. I feel like, and I'm like, well, yeah. I don't even know where to buy clothes that are, that are good enough for you guys. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like they kept saying, you know, you're a stumbling block for men. And so then it's making me like a sexual object. Yep. Like, I am the reason these men are sinful. And I'm like, I could wear a potato mm-hmm. sack and they're still going to think about my butt if that's what they want to think about. And I wasn't uncomfortable with wearing blingy jeans. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. really care. Like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. That's just what I... So, I don't know. It was just so... I just feel like whether they knew they were doing this or not, I feel like they were just kind of sexualizing women. I don't think oh, that was yeah. like intent, oh, sorry. but like that's what I felt like. I felt like an object that was yeah. just there to be hidden and not seen. And I wasn't trying to, you know, be the center of attention. I just wanted to mm-hmm. enjoy the group and just mind my business. Yeah. Yeah. So, Two I things I that I remember. I always thought you dressed super cute, by the way. Thank I you. wanted to dress like you, but I wasn't allowed to. So <laughs> Um, something else that you had said when we talked earlier, though, that went with that, that I love the way that you said it was the leadership, you know, you guys are telling me to honor my parents and what I'm wearing tonight is honoring my parents. My parents say it's okay. So really, I'm doing exactly what you're telling me to do. I'm just not telling doing what you want me to do about it. I I love the way you said that, because that's exactly kind of what it all boiled down to of they're like, oh, respect your parents. You're like, I am. I'm just not Mm -hmm. doing it for you. And that bothered them. They wanted my parents to then be like them to then make me. And my parents were like, absolutely not. Like, this is outrageous. Like, this is crazy. And I feel like when you're 13, 14, like, you shouldn't be told that you are a stumbling block and causing men to sin because my brain is not ready to process that. And take on that burden i mean even now that should never be said because i just feel like everyone is responsible for their own thoughts actions and mm-hmm. i always thought what about when these people go into the real world when their yeah. parents aren't telling other kids how to dress like they need to have the tools to work with these you know sinful thoughts that they would say they were having i was like that is something that they need to work on that is a them problem not a me problem mm-hmm. but they kept making it a me problem and i'm like well i'm 13 so i don't know what you want me to do about it yeah we've talked about this issue on previous episodes on the podcast this idea that we felt ashamed that we were women we felt ashamed of the clothes that we were wearing of the bodies that we had We were constantly being afraid of being sexualized. And this all happening while we were children. Big red flag for me. Be a burden you put on kids. Yeah. The the formative years of your body developing too, especially for Mm -hmm. girls, and you're telling them Mm -hmm. these awful things that we frankly aren't ready to hear. We're still trying to figure out what's going on with ourselves. And 
seeing how we were told that at 13 and how that formed us going into later teenagehood and even early adulthood when some of us, I know for me specifically, it took me years after leaving the group to feel comfortable with my own body to be able to wear something that wasn't, you know, boys board shorts and a baggy t-shirt to go swimming. Yeah. (laughs) So... I never understood that one. But then again, I was so used to wearing, like, you know, gymnastics leotards anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I don't understand the problem here. I'm like, the rest of the world, not that you should do it because the rest of the world does it. But I'm like, right, even right. other Christians that I knew had modest, normal swimsuits. It's mm-hmm. possible. Like, we it's literally possible. swam in drowning hazards. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what like, it was. Well, I didn't even... I never really swam with the group because I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I am not doing this. That never made any sense to me, though, because I went from before being in this group, yes, wearing, like, normal, modest swimsuits. It was, Mm -hmm. like, you know, a tankini or a one-piece or whatever to this overboard idea of having to completely cover myself or some girls wearing these custom-made swim dresses that went down to your ankles. Hannah, <laughs> yes, I remember that one very vividly me. from swimming with you. <laughs> I love you. But you were I that was one. one. so ashamed of my shape that I bought this fancy swimsuit that had like a, like a parachute on the outside of it so you couldn't so see the bad. Oh my goodness. And Hannah, it was so bad. (laughs) It's like they're like, love who God made you. Love who you are. I did not love who God made me at all. But then they're like, cover it up. Don't show anything. Don't talk about it. Don't wear a lot of makeup. Don't do your hair. And it was like, okay, so don't love what God gave me. Right. This is not confusing at all. I remember the day I got shamed at youth group because I told oh. the girls, I don't know why we were talking about shaving our legs, but we were. <laughs> and I told them that I shave way above the knee, you know, all the way. And they're like, uh, why would you do that? That's so wrong. Like, no one's going to see that. Why would you need to shave above the knee? I'm like, because it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> That's why. But I was literally shamed for being such a slut for shaving above my knee. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, God forbid you do anything for yourself. (laughs) I know. It's always supposed to be for someone else, but not actually because that's not good either. Okay, so we had to put up with a lot of really weird things (laughs) in this group about our clothing, about our bodies, about our behavior. Hannah and Trevor, can you guys talk about this crazy thing that happened where you were living together before you were married? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You sinful people. Yeah, the talk of the town when that happened. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we we got engaged in uh, April of that year or something. Mm -hmm. And then we we bought a house in May. We were getting married in November. Um, Yeah, that's a long time. We bought a house together. Right. We'd been dating for four years at that point. Mm-hmm. We were trying to get our house set up. We're not just going to have it. Hey, you know what? You stay with your parents. I'll take the house. Right. I'll do this. <laughs> but half of your money that you're earning is also coming to the house. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. You know, we had moved in together, and okay. we got this really, this God honestly provided an, an awesome opportunity for us to get this house. Mm-hmm. We jumped on it, we got it, and then we take our picture, you know, outside of the house, holding the keys up, like yeah, everybody those are does. So cute. Go, mm-hmm. yeah, goes to Facebook within like the hour. Oh no! I got a text from someone, and I and by the time, we left the group at this point. Right, we are okay. we're out of the group. Okay. Um, I get a text from someone in the group that I really don't talk to like hardly at all anymore. Okay, and it just says, "I saw you guys bought a house together, both living there." Does it? And so I just I rolled my eyes, didn't respond. To like twelve hours later, I get I get your point. Uh, I just just want to say, you know. Don't turn your back on God. He still loves you and he'll be there for you if you want to come back. Sure. Why did they think you were turning away from God? I'm, because we had decided to live together, which was common. In the house that you just bought once as, you were engaged yeah. and going to get married <laughs> shortly. Interesting. Go on. Yeah. In this house, it was referred to as in the group as living in sin. And there is a story mm-hmm. that was told by one okay. repeatedly that was like, oh, you know, this, this couple came to me. They wanted, a, they wanted me to marry them. Um, but I found out they were living together. They had an apartment together. And I told them I re- I refused to marry this leader, refused to marry them until they moved apart, got their relationship right with Ooh. God and everything. And he made this whole deal about how he forced them to move apart and, you know, make their relationship pure again, essentially. And then he was able to right. go on and marry them. And then they moved in back. To, then they moved in back together after they got married. And so mm-hmm. I think the idea is that we're living in sin. We're obviously having premarital sex, all this type of stuff, which I will stand on this. And it is true. We did not. We waited until marriage. Which is funny because by everyone else outside of that group, everyone's like, why would you do that? Like, you seriously <laughs> did that? Like, that's crazy. And so it's like, especially now as adults, and we've mm. been married for years, like okay. if it wasn't true i would be totally comfortable being like okay like it didn't happen that way like it's Mm -hmm. it just i don't know why people just have such i guess it is hard for some people to believe but like that was just what we believed in and Mm -hmm. i'm very like i said i'm very stubborn and i'm just that's what i wanted to hold true to and so did he Mm -hmm. and so that's what we did even though we slept in the same bed that line was never crossed before we were married which is, which is funny because if you do go to the scripture and you read about the fruits of the spirit, which is describes how you should act if you're walking with God, one of those is self-control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What which do you know? essentially, Shocking. apparently, you know, that doesn't matter if you know you're dating or dating too right, young or right. living together. You're just obviously going to step out of that. So, right. you know, practicing that self-control apparently wasn't. No one actually had the ability to do it, but we we did. I mean, people don't believe us this day, but like. I will say, though, like people who do have premarital sex, I have no issue with that. Like for me, I'm like, none of my business. I don't care. You do what's right for you. Like I'm doing what I did, what I thought was right for me. And that was just the path God had us Mm -hmm. on. And that's, and I'm like happy we did, but like, I would never put judgment on someone for not doing things the way we did it because I mean, not everyone has the same life plan or the same values. And that's like totally fine too. It's just what it's between those people and God. It has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with me. So I can't understand why they felt so 
Like they could just intrude on all of that. Like it's any of their business. So you guys can tell me, I have a little thought on that. In the group, I remember them using kind of this, I, uh, they used to teach on it too. Fear mongering basically is what they were using it for of, you know, good percentage or they had a specific percentage of couples who live together and sleep together before marriage their relationships don't last you know it's only you can only have a lasting relationship if you do it x y and z which some of these things they were getting biblically based and most of it they were just here's our personal moral opinion on it of what you should do to have a godly relationship with your future spouse because this is what we did and well it worked out so well they used to use that as a as a fear tactic though of if you're not doing it the exact way that we're telling you to your relationship will not last honest to god feel it is fully what you put into the relationship it's a choice so mm-hmm. they used to use that all the time so you know and again like you said whatever you choose to do for your relationship is completely your choice but that is something that they used to tell us very frequently then the yes. premarital sex thing we addressed this on a previous episode as well how that's not in the bible but like kind of it's in the bible But we were led to believe word for word, if you Mm -hmm. have sex before you're married, worst possible thing you can do. Your virginity is gone. You're no longer worthy. You're no longer pure. You're messed up. Mm -hmm. And it's this whole big deal. So the fact that you guys were, first of all, you got engaged and then you bought a house and then you were like, let's Mm -hmm. be responsible adults and pool our resources and then use the house that we bought together (laughs) before we get married because- we are going to get married shortly. <laughs> it is wild to me that leadership of a youth group again would take it upon themselves to like intrude on your personal business. In a yeah, normal church, was... that's not going to happen unless you yeah. go to them asking for counsel. But you guys weren't going to them asking for counsel. No. Well, we didn't need to. They were already doing it, whether we wanted to. They were writing unsolicited <laughs> advice all the time. Exactly. I already knew what they oh, no. I didn't have to go to them. <laughs> Do you so think they would have done this to any other, any other like couple who maybe was in better standing with them that kind of chose to do maybe similar things? Do you think they would have been on their asses too? Or do you think it was just because you guys and who you were? I feel like if people in that group are high up there in the hierarchy they're not gonna do what we did because yeah. of fear of yeah. lowering mm-hmm. their rank yeah but if like one of the leaders kids decided to do this the way we did then they would preach on why it's okay for sure why they did it because god told them it was okay so right. for them it's fine because they're an exception mm. Mm-hmm. But when we say this is what God blessed us with, because we searched for a house for over six months and we saw a lot of houses, mm-hmm. we put in a lot of bids and we always got out bid mm-hmm. and we prayed and prayed and we walked into this house and God just gave us this peace and no, they didn't even put it on the market. We just bought it and wow. it was like mm-hmm. a switcheroo. <clears throat> That's so awesome. And so I was like, that was all God's doing and he fully blessed us. And so we were like, this is God telling us it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. if it was really that bad, like, I don't think he would have given us this blessing. And he did. And so we ran with it. And we're like, this is just what we're choosing to do with our life. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, just kind of going off of your question, Cassie, um, if people in Better Standing did this, um, well, they did. Um, they like leadership's own kids had premarital sex that was just very much swept under the rug and never talked about. Yes. There were things like mm. that that happened, and mm-hmm. you it would be it's it was almost like it was censored within the within mm-hmm. the own group because you would kind of hear about it a case yeah. someone would let it slip yeah and you're like hey wait, wait, what was that mm-hmm. what yeah. happened there what, oh what you happened? probably should talk about that and mm-hmm. okay, they were so still held in high standing even though were. that happened like because very did, high standing they did such a good job of not letting the story of controlling the narrative yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. this happened you know um we're going to make sure nobody knows about it. We're going to act mm-hmm. like it didn't happen and you're not going to do it again. So it's not going to be an issue. And then we're not going to treat you any different. So people know now they won't know about it going forward. Mm-hmm. You you look like you have something to say about the purity talks that we were given. Some of the escalated messages. So yeah, a lot of the discussions there and we can like, there were some good messages there and I want to make sure that right. people understand that like there were some messages there that were beneficial, were good. Absolutely. Just there were some that, like I said earlier, didn't sit very well with me. And then mm-hmm. I would take it to my small group. Um, there was there was one about depression. Um, okay. That really did not sit well with me. Um, the main point of that message being, if you're depressed, it's because you're not willing to give your issues to God. Therefore, you're not a good Christian. And you need to work mm. on your relationship with God and work on, mm. you know, casting your cares on him and, you know, using these, these Christianese terms and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, taking every thought captive is another mm-hmm. verse that would often be mentioned. Because if you're having depressing thoughts, then if you just were able to take those and, you know, run them through the filter of Christ or something, mm-hmm. um, you would realize that they're not from God and you need to give them to God. And then you'd just be filled with joy. And if you just prayed more and were a better Christian, you'd be filled with joy and there would be absolutely no room for depression. And it didn't sit well with me because, you know, knowing people who have had depression, seeing that and, and feeling those things, like that's not the message you give to someone who is in that dark place. Yeah, that because doesn't Now they're in a dark place dark and they're place. even lower. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're like, I'm holding on to this hope that, you know, God's going to get me out of this. But now, now I feel like I'm less of a Christian. And now I get all these you know, things coming into my head of, you know, what if it's not and it's never going to end because I'm not a good Christian. I just need to be a better Christian. Yeah. That's not the message you give. And so I went to my group and I refuted a lot of that offered different perspectives um there was another talk that i thought was incredibly extreme and that was around um music um, okay specifically like rock music mm. um, oh. how it was sinful to listen to those things and you had to listen to only and even like christian like contemporary christian music was in that right. group um the justification for this was that there was a beat found uh, within most modern music and it was the third beat in this thing right i know what you're third talking beat about rhythm go on and this this oh, rhythm what? or this beat would be was used by like tribes in africa yeah. to summon spirits it was inherently demonic to listen to this music and mm-hmm. then also there are things like well did you know that restaurants play faster music to get you out of there quicker oh you mean like they want to make money weird like as a business my favorite right my favorite was there was a video played 
Uh, there's an old movie called The Man from Snowy River. Oh, yeah. Love that film. And there's film. a scene in that movie where they're chasing down like a bunch of wild horses or something through the woods. Oh, yeah. I don't know. And they're playing, they're cutting the soundtrack in and out and playing different types of music. Okay. During this scene to show like, oh, you see how it plays with your emotions? When it's really intense, you feel on edge. Oh, and, and, and then when it's really soft, you feel relaxed. Like music's whole purpose is to make you feel something that's crazy. Okay. If you're listening to worship music then and people are getting an emotional high and feeling connected to God, is that also problematic? Because they're feeling an emotion yeah. from the music that's making them feel some type of way. Well, they just didn't talk about that. <laughs> oh, See, but there's a difference though in okay. church with worship music between, you know, it's making you feel something and they're using it as a form of emotional manipulation. Yeah. So they yeah. do the and same exact thing that they were explaining with using this video but not it they can't do it they're christian they're good christians they could wouldn't do that yeah. they no right. this group was also very anti-drum so Truly. like like the music that was saying there, the worship that was saying there was pianos guitars violins like that yes. type of stuff um drums weren't allowed i remember one one week i came in and there was a guy that was actually very very talented at playing drums and yeah. he'd always ask to, you know, help out on the worship team. And he said, I'll play them like mm -hmm. super lightly. And they always said no. And then one week, I don't know how, how he got it passed, but he did it. And it was like a, it was a big deal. And like, they never allowed oh, it again. No. And it was very much just like the lightest drum taps you could imagine. Right. But you know, I don't um, know where that comes from. That's not a biblical because concept. Yeah. Rock music. So. Right. Yeah. This right. Group found the most <laughs> random things to just fly off the handle with. I think the final like subset of extreme topics that I think is really worth mentioning, and there was there was a lot, but these are the ones that I think like the whole talk was like, what Please are you even saying right it. now? Um <clears throat> like the purity talks. I know you guys have covered this a lot um from go for it. Uh, the women's perspective and then like the older mm -hmm. ones, but there was a lot in there about um as we talked about earlier, like, oh, obviously self-control isn't possible in a relationship. Right. So when you get, you have to be ready to get married when you start mm -hmm. you know, courting somebody mm -hmm. and then you need to get there quick. Like don't have a long yep. engagement because mm -hmm. you just need to get there so you can have sex or else you're going to you know, burn with desire or you're going to yeah. obviously commit a sinful act. And mm -hmm. so that was the typical, um, typical purity talk was like, be pure, be pure until you're ready to get married and then just mm. pick a girl. Yep. You know, see her for a court her for a few months, get engaged, get married, get it done, start having kids because there's no other way to go about it. Any other way is going to result in sin. And so there is no. that message that yeah. was given heavily to the guys. And then mm -hmm. in my second to last year or my last year, um, they did a big like preview of the purity talk. And they're like, this okay. is going to be really getting into the nitty gritty the deep stuff that we don't really like to talk about, what we think is important. It's important to know these things. So parents, be warned if you don't feel comfortable. Uh, we're going to go, because like there was always a parent group while we were all in small group. Mm -hmm. We're going to cover some of that content in the parent group early. And if you want to pull your kids out, go ahead and pull your kids out. And I remember showing up the next week being like, all right, see what they talk about. Like, let's you know, get into some. Ready for the nitty gritty. I was excited to talk to, talk to the guys in my group about this because mm -hmm. honestly, it's, it, it was rough. And all it turned into was like, we all sat down and one of the leaders yeah. was up there. Right, we're going to start just going through some things. 
And so let's just start off with, uh, with masturbation. So masturbation, otherwise known as having sex with yourself, um, or referred to as, um, jerking (laughs) off. So they're just like giving all the terminology. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Um, so is this a sin? Yes. Yes, it is a sin because you are choosing to do it. You are choosing to have sex with yourself and sex before marriage is a sin. So masturbation is, is a sin. So they like everyone to like be writing their notes down. Okay. Masturbation is a sin. Got it. Check mark. And they're like, all right, next up, like wet dreams. So wet oh, dreams. Wow. Otherwise, no, okay. like, you know, when you like have a, a sexually feel dream and you wake up and you're kind of, you know, you might be a little messy. Like they're very awkwardly oh, referring to things right, here. Right. <laughs> and they're like, so, um, is this a sin? Well, no, because you can't really control it, but you really should be working on purifying your mind because obviously your mind is having impure thoughts. That's not how dreams work. I have the worst secondhand embarrassment for everyone involved in this. So we're just all sitting there like, this is this is the nitty gritty. Like, this is the real talk that we're oh, right. that we're supposed to be getting like an insight on. And like, mind you, like there were kids pulled out of this. Because the parents didn't want them to. As they should have been. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, yeah. I feel like all of us pulled out of this particular talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're like, this is too, like, sexually explicit for for the kids to hear and everything. So, um, so yeah, they would just, like, go through um, these terms. The second part of the talk was about, like, accountability partners. So, you know, when you're thinking about, when you're getting those impure thoughts and you're like, maybe I should watch porn or maybe I should, you know go do whatever I want to go do, you know, call, right. call your accountability partner up and be like, dude, like for lack of a better word, be like, dude, I'm about to jerk off right now. Can you talk? I know. Like, can we, can you stop ledge? me from sinning? Yeah. I remember the like, accountability for uh, masturbation didn't work for any no, of you. And it, was, it was just rife with lies and everything. And because like, yeah. I remember I was in accountability text groups and you would just start oh, the week. Gosh. How's everyone doing? Oh yeah, man so good so, so good great. haven't had any issues mm-hmm. and then you talk to them and you kind of get down to it They're like yeah no it was like I, I didn't do good at all this week and like so we're all just lying to each other at this yeah. point you know to kind of like not have that embarrassment because we're so shamed mm-hmm. in all of these acts and all of these things and so we're all just like trying to navigate having these feelings of shame and our best way out of it is to lie so now you're just creating mm-hmm. not only the shame but you're just creating a situation where people feel like they have to lie and so mm-hmm. it was, it was pretty rough. I remember like the leader who was giving the, the speech or the, the message um, yeah. would always say, would told a story about how this one individual couldn't help it, but had this issue in the shower every single time, because every time they needed to wash themselves, they just started touching it. And like, oh, at that God. point, and he's like, this is like how detailed I'm like, I'm so oh sorry for whoever this is that you're talking about. That poor Because you're person. sharing very intimate details that That's should not be shared. Rugged. And so it, <clears throat> it got to the point where every time this dude took a shower, he'd give this leader a call. No, thank <laughs> you. That's disclaimer. I am so glad I wasn't in there because I would have been laughing my fucking ass off. <laughs> it was so it bad. Was so, it was so difficult because it, like, I was, at the time, this is probably right you? before you really started to 15 16 15 i think yeah i was 15 oh 
Oh, yeah. Guys, we're coming to okay. sexual realization real quick there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know who these leaders thought they were to be giving children this talk. Like, oh, man. first of all, right. why did no one put a stop to this? Right? <laughs> oh, there had to have been a normal parent in the leadership that was like, I don't think that's okay. This is a parent's job, not yours to be covering I think this. that the parents were so bad at like having the talk with their kids um like we that had was a conversation not, about that that was not really like a, as much of a common thing as people thought it was like even like from my experience i never got like the talk from yeah. my parents or anything like that it was very much just like don't do this mm-hmm. don't do this and like mm-hmm. as it came up type of a deal mm-hmm. and so i think my theory on it is that the parents kind of got the preview we're like oh this is great now they can have the talk and i don't have to give it and it will come from a trustworthy source because we have full trust in this leadership team um and so i just yeah it was uh it was rough because as even like as a small group leader i remember one time i had one of my guys come up to me like hey i'm really struggling right now and they couldn't they didn't know the words to talk about what they were going through it ended up like they had a porn addiction yeah we didn't mm. have the vocabulary for this so we couldn't even ask yeah, for help ha- if we wanted to they didn't know yeah they didn't know what they're talking about there's like yeah. i like i can't talk to my parents about this um i don't know where to go to like i'm coming to you now because i don't and like they're trying to mm. de- they're describing to me what they're doing and i'm like oh so like and i gave them the words like oh is that what it's called mm-hmm. yeah and i was like yeah, like you should know that that's it's called. This yeah. group was very sheltered, and you can shelter your kids to no end. Like they will still find a way. Yeah. To do those things, hear those things, see <clears throat> bad things, uh, yeah. but all you're doing is making it harder for them and making it worse for them because they don't have any of the tools to deal with it. I mean, they can't even tell you what they're doing because they're so sheltered. But that mm-hmm. just goes to show, like, just because you're sheltered doesn't mean like your kids are better off or mm-hmm. they don't know about these things because it's just like life. I mean, they're all going to figure it out. And yeah. instead, it just makes it harder for them to get help because they don't know who to turn to. Yeah, just because you try to, you know, stop your kid from necessarily growing up or maturing doesn't mean that's not going to happen anyways. You might as well give them the tools and the words necessary to be able to make this transition smoothly into adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there's probably enough content there for like an entire extra episode. Yeah. But yeah. Like it like it honestly, if you guys ever want to sit down and talk through like the the porn addiction side that was within this group and how bad it was. Like I'm hundred percent willing to like, I would love to, to get a group of too. people together that are willing to that. talk about that. So far, everyone mm-hmm. we've asked has been like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be an awkward topic to talk yeah. about, but I think it's it is so important. really awkward. So real. That's when these people start to just shame you and step away and like, yeah. because like, yeah, I don't, don't want to be involved with that or be seen with you. Cause, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's the problem with this group yeah. is like, you're supposed to take those in who want to know Jesus and mm-hmm. they want to get a better relationship with him. Yeah. Like it's Jesus's job to change yeah. their heart and to mm-hmm. lead them a better life. It is not the leader's job now to change yeah. you and so like if people came in and they were you know 
you know, had bad addictions or had a bad past, they were just like, nope, you can't come here. Yeah. Because we might not be able to fix you. And that's going to make us look worse. And it's so sad because it is, there is so many people who are just crying out for help. And then I feel like it, for a lot of people, it shuts the door to Jesus. Because mm-hmm. like, if this is what Christianity is about, then like, I'm out. I don't want to be any part of this. Like, it's judgmental. It's hypocrisy. And I just, my heart hurts for those people because that's not what Jesus is about. Yeah. And that's what we yeah. were preaching the whole time is being that whole body of Christ and being accepting and bringing in, you know, those who are struggling and need help. But then we would turn around you know, or the leadership or whoever would turn around and do the exact opposite yeah. of what they were just telling their congregation to do. Like I, I fully understand like that. That is, it's a hard topic to talk about. It's going to be embarrassing and shameful and everything. But like with the reality of when like outside of this group and outside of like the Christian perspective and you go look at like the, the research and the data on this and like, like, the damage that like an addiction like that can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that needs to be talked about and needs people to be willing to have a, an uncomfortable conversation and say like, Hey, this, like, this is something that I personally, like I personally dealt with. Mm-hmm. And like when I would bring my issues up, like, my, my issues with like porn and stuff up to the Christian group, a lot of what I got was, well, have you tried praying about it? That's not, I mean, I'm stuck in this cycle and I'm like growing to almost hate myself because of it. Yeah. And I have so much shame around it. And like, there's, it felt like there was nothing I could do to ever truly beat it. And like, no one's willing to get to that point and say, you know what, like you need actual help. And that's what I always stress to everyone. I, I honestly, and this is something that very recently I've been in the realization, like sometimes going to the church leadership is not the move. I know. All right? Like go that's get professional help. Yeah. Yeah. Like go get professional yeah. help. Because even if you might not have like an active addiction of any sort or something, you might have a kind of like willpower your way out of it to an extent. It still comes back now and again. You still have those feelings of shame. You still have all that stuff that's there that you need to unpack. You need to work through. You need to actually get true freedom from. And that's not going to come really anywhere outside of professional health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that's like where I've come to with it. And then there's so many great Christian counselors out there. We see one for marriage counseling, you know, just unpacking everything yeah. that Christian fundamentalism and this group has, you know, found its way into our relationship. It's like, mm-hmm. and we have a Christian counselor and she is like, this is absolutely crazy. But so mm-hmm. many people go through this. She's helped so many marriages that are dealing with like the Christian fundamentalism. And she's like, that's not Christianity. That's no. not a healthy marriage. Like there's so much more out there. And so I just, I feel like getting help should not be a shameful thing. And I feel like in this group, it was because why mm-hmm. do you need a therapist when you have Jesus? It's like, well, sometimes you need yeah. both. It's <laughs> and they okay, serve right? different purposes. Yeah. And I just feel like mm-hmm. people need to hear that and be like, it's okay to get help. And actually no one needs to know especially in your church no one mm-hmm. needs to know that you're seeing a therapist yeah yeah crazy okay this is a perfect segue to like complete this whole conversation this is where we were this is where we came from how do you guys feel about christianity where are you at in your christianity deconstructing unpacking journey right now how do, how are you guys doing right now honestly i think better than ever uh, once we stepped 
I'll, I'll speak for myself. Once I stepped away from this group, I was more involved in my word after a while. Actually, I'll take that back a little bit. I think I pulled away for a hot minute, probably a year or so. And I was like, yeah. whoa, this is not what I yeah. wanted. Like you, that whole situation and group, it hurt me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of like regrowing, rebuilding, unpacking mm -hmm. to do. And once I did that and I prayed about it and got more in my word and, you know, just found real help that helps so much. And I feel like my Christianity is stronger than ever. I feel like I have a great relationship with Jesus. I don't attend church. I might have a little bit of trauma still with like in churches and groups. I just, I understand. I, that. We're not there yet. I'm not opposed. I think there's great churches out there. Um, yeah. It's just kind of hard to just keep going back and not having those old feelings pop mm -hmm. up. But I mean, I believe that my relationship was with Jesus, not a church. So I don't think there's anything wrong with going to church as long as like, you know, you're keeping your eyes and ears open and practicing discernment with what's being taught. Mm -hmm. But I definitely am so grateful for everything Jesus has done in our relationship and our life. And I think everything we went through was rough, but it made us stronger in the end. Yeah. What about for you, Trevor? Yeah, you know, I would, that would echo you know, what Hannah said, um, and then just kind of add on like some of my own journey, like having everything, um, leaving the group and um, just everything happened around that. There was some like personal life stuff that was going on too. It really rocked a lot of my, a lot of my worldview and how I, how I saw things. So um, I think probably longer than Hannah, I never, I don't feel like I ever really fully stepped away, but I wasn't very active in in my faith anyway, I wasn't in, I wasn't in the word. I really wasn't, like I said, being very active in those things, but I still felt like, you know, I still felt like the truth, like that was the truth and I needed to seek it out for myself. And that's what I felt like I did. And then I went back to that and started um, kind of just looking back on my past and going, doing that deconstructing thing and going, you know, that was really good. You know, I want to keep that. No, not that one so much. Let's get that out of here and, you know, let's work through yeah, that. And healthy deconstruction. The ideas that were caused from that. Um, and so now I feel like kind of going through that journey and then realizing that even when I wasn't necessarily fully committed to God, he was always fully committed to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then seeing like him still walk me through those times when mm. I wasn't doing the best and everything. Now, you know, I've you know, come back and I feel very strong in my faith and in, in my Christianity and my, in my own right. And not that Christian fundamentalist view Yeah, and really just trying to live in that freedom of Christ. Thank you guys yeah, for sharing your story with them. Them. This is such a cool yeah. conversation. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Okay. Thank you guys for talking with us. Any advice or final thoughts that you want to give our listeners? Um, yeah. I, I think I, I've said it before. You know, Hannah said a little bit ago, but practice discernment, mm -hmm. even if, if it's a a Christian religious group or whatever, practice discernment there, just practice discernment in all parts of your life. That's what's going to help you kind of see, you know, the true yeah. from the false and, and kind of run that through your own filter. Um, and then, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. I think my biggest one, I, I said just a little bit ago, um, mm -hmm. going to the church leaders, going there might not be the option you need. Like I always encourage everyone to seek professional help when they're when they're going through different things, if they're struggling with addiction or they're struggling with mental health issues or just 
mm-hmm. they just need direction if they just feeling lost yeah. in life or something like that you know it's not wrong for a christian to seek like mental health mm-hmm. help like that is an know, important right? part of our lives and um you might not you might be struggling to get what you need from from the bible and everything you might need mm-hmm. someone by your side to help you and to help you get to the place where you need to be so if you're going through anything you know please please go and seek out that help mm-hmm. yeah yeah i would say all the same definitely the discernment and just because you trust your leadership does not mean that they know everything and they are the direct uh communication with god and that you really need to be having that communication with jesus yourself and just mm-hmm. listening to what you feel like he's telling you is right and if something feels off to then question or you know move churches or anything that you feel like you need to do definitely getting the mental help or the marriage counseling it doesn't have to be just mm-hmm. when your marriage is falling apart it's a great preventative and i feel like just knowing that Jesus loves you as you are and there is no perfect way to be a Christian Mm -hmm. and we all mess up and we all have issues and Jesus loves you through it all. That's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Good stuff, guys. All right. As always, guys, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you guys would like to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts or if you have a story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Our website is shortskirtslongscripture.com. We're also on Instagram at skirtsandscripture, or you can always send us an email, skirtsandscripture at gmail.com. Talk to you guys next time. As the two like farmers look at each other, they decided to use that scene to cut in like the romantic music. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now we're watching Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>